Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7, with supplies and solutions for every industry, and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Listen, everybody got it back again. Don't take no mess out the Rose Garden. Raise us there on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today. There's just one thing you can say. How to start and shoot that three. Believe it, it ain't easy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. I am Sean Hyken, the host of the podcast and the author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, which you can subscribe to on rosegardenreport.beehive, B-E-E-H-I-I-V.com for either a free or a paid subscription. As I said on Twitter today, which you can follow me at Hyken, H-I-G-H-K-I-N, we just hit 100 paid subs in the first two weeks of the newsletter, so... The early growth and the support has been awesome. I thank each and every one of you who is a paid subscriber and those of you who aren't, I would encourage you to become so. I think I've been putting out some pretty cool stuff for that. That's only going to continue when you know we go to Summer League in Las Vegas, which I'm flying out there on Thursday. This podcast is going to be a little bit different. I'm just going to do a solo pod. I, I'm not planning on doing a lot of solo pods. I like having a guest and having somebody else to bounce stuff off off of and get different perspectives on stuff. But I wanted to get one more in before I flew out to Vegas, and I didn't really have time to find another guest or find somebody else to do it with. So I'm just going to go solo and give a few thoughts on a few Blazers topics that have come up over the last couple of days and just kind of check in and keep you guys updated on kind of where things are at and all of that. So obviously the big news that came out today, we're recording this on a Tuesday late afternoon, early evening. So this will probably go up on Tuesday evening or or at night. But this morning, late morning, probably around 1130 or 12, uh, Jody Allen put out a statement basically unprompted i don't know where this came from or what or why she decided to put this out now but she addressed the whole blazers sale and ownership situation which this whole situation is kind of interesting to me but a her putting this statement out now and also just the general you know as somebody who covers the team and you listening are probably a fan of the team this is obviously something that's very much worth paying attention to and worth following but this is the closest I think that we have ever gotten and probably will ever get to an actual comment of any kind from Jody while she still owns the team so Paul Allen dies in October of 2018 so we're coming up on almost four years that his sister Jody who it was his next of kin he wasn't married he didn't have kids so his sister Jody has been in charge of his whole estate ever since he passed away. For almost four years now, she's been 
you know, the de facto owner of the Portland Trail Blazers and the Seattle Seahawks and has been representing the Blazers at Board of Governors meetings and making the final sign-offs on things like coaching hires and GM investigations and what have you. In that entire time, she has not done one interview, one press conference. She has not given any kind of public comment outside of, like, they'll put her name on a couple of these statements, like, I think I think her name was on one of the statements when Bill Shonley retired or stuff like that. Stuff that's not really of this level of substance. So she puts out this statement today, totally unprompted, by the way. There's no new reports. There was the Phil Knight stuff about a month ago or a month and a half ago or whenever that was. But there has been no new reporting since then about the sale or about her status as the owner. And so they sent out this press release today, and I'm going to read the whole thing to you. This is this was put out by the team. They sent out the email press release. They put this out on their social media and all that. And it says, quote, As chair of both the Portland Trail Blazers and the Seattle Seahawks, my long-term focus is on building championship teams that our communities are proud of. Like my brother Paul, I trust and expect our leaders and coaches to build winning teams that deliver results on and off the court and field. As we've stated before, neither of the teams is for sale and there are no sales discussions happening. A time will come when that change is given Paul's plans to dedicate the vast majority of his wealth to philanthropy, but estates of this size and complexity can take 10 to 20 years to wind down. There is no preordained timeline by which the teams must be sold. Until then, my focus, and that of our teams, is on winning. End quote. So that's the statement that Jody Allen put out. I thought this was interesting. That th- This was kind of, you know, I, I, my immediate reaction was the, the Brian Windhorst meme where there's been nothing about this, about new, new information about the sale, but Jody put out this statement, and then you, you do the hands out weighing. Like, why is that? So that was kind of my first reaction to it. So for those of you who don't have you know, full context of kind of the complexities of the Blazers ownership situation and the sales situation and where things have stood since Paul Allen passed away almost four years ago. Jody Allen, and this is a very unique kind of situation. The only other team besides the Blazers and the Seahawks that has dealt with something like this in any of the North American sports leagues is the Denver Broncos, who are, I, I, I believe they just found a buyer. I, I don't know that for sure, but they, I, I, I don't really follow the NFL that closely, but I think they just found a buyer, but they had kind of the same ownership setup. But Jody is not the outright owner of the Blazers or the Seahawks. Both of the teams, as well as all of Paul Allen's other assets, are held in the Paul Allen Trust. The Paul G. Allen Trust is the official name of it. And she is the trustee of the trust, which means that there's all this legal stuff, and she alluded to this in the statement, there is all this legal stuff that kind of has to be figured out. I I personally don't have any experience dealing with trust, but I have friends who have like had parents pass away or relatives and some house that they owned was in the trust and there was all this complicated stuff that they had to go through to sell the house in order to be able to get the legal clearance to do that. When you're talking about the level of money of Paul Allen, who is one of the richest people in the world and was the co-founder of Microsoft and had so many other business interests. And we're talking about like tens of billions of dollars worth of assets. Yeah. Stuff is going to take a while, but 
I do know this for a fact. I've had multiple people confirm this to me. There is a clause in the trust, and I don't know what the timeline is or what would trigger it or when it would have to be triggered by, that at some point after Paul Allen dies, the team has to be sold, the Blazers and the Seahawks. The teams have to be sold. It was legally required that the teams at some point eventually get sold. But because of the whole trust situation and the setup and the legalities, it is going to take a little bit longer for all that to happen. And so that's why I think that's honestly, that's why she still owns the teams today because from all indications, and I know sometimes they'll make a show out of putting her in the draft war room the other week with Joe Cronin and Chauncey Billups. But by all accounts, not only like people I've talked to, but also just public accounts of it and other reporters senses of it and, and what have you. She is not nearly as interested in sports or in owning a team or owning the Blazers or the Seahawks as her brother was. The Blazers were a passion project for for Paul Allen when he was alive. He bought the team basically as a toy and as a vanity project, which is kind of what you want from a sports owner because he didn't buy it just as a thing to make money off of. Like right now, a lot of these teams are owned by these hedge fund guys or these tech guys where they view it as kind of another line item and that's why you see teams not willing to pay the luxury tax to keep players or or any of that kind of stuff. Paul Allen's whole focus was, I love basketball. I want to own a team because I want to win. And so he would always spend as much money as he had to spend. The Blazers were always willing to pay the luxury tax. They were competitive and in the playoffs for most of the years that he owned the team outside of like that stretch in the mid-2000s between the end of the Sheed Sabonis Damon Stoudemire run and the start of the Roy Aldridge era. But the, the, the point being that Jody basically just inherited all this stuff from her brother and she is not interested I in long term. Even, even if she wanted to, she couldn't legally because of the trust stuff. But she does not have the same interest in owning a basketball team as Paul did. So eventually... This stuff has to be sold. Now, the timing of this whole thing is interesting, of this statement that she put out today, because about a month and a half ago, it was early June, so a little less than a month and a half ago, a little more than a month ago, so it was June 2nd, because it was the day of the first game of the finals. There was an offer that was submitted by Phil Knight and Alan Smolenisky, who's one of the minority owners of the Dodgers, for $2 billion to buy the team, which is the first time, I believe that we have seen an actual written offer and commitment from an ownership group or an owner to buy the team. Like there have been talks that different people have wanted to buy the team in the past or just speculation about who might be interested. Larry Ellison, the founder of Oracle, who's a, you know, had bids for NBA teams go sideways in the past was a name that I had heard. But this was the first time that a group actually submitted an offer in writing we will pay this for the team and later that day this was again june 2nd later that day the blazers or somebody so i don't know who wrote the statement it wasn't attributed to anybody it was just attributed to the team but they put out a statement saying that the team was still not for sale and later that day adam silver at his press conference before game one of the finals was asked about it, and he said that he doesn't know the specific nature of the Paul Allen Trust, but that at some point the team has to be sold. And 
Look, I've covered the league the entire time. I started covering the NBA full-time in 2013. Adam Silver became commissioner in 2014. So I've been around for his whole tenure as commissioner. I've been at a lot of these press conferences in the past. I was not at the one uh, this time. He does not just say stuff off the cuff as, at these sorts of settings about stuff like this. Anything he will say has been vetted and gone through so many layers of approval to give the officially sanctioned and accepted response to whatever the question was which you would expect because he's the commissioner of the league he's in charge of like a multi-billion dollar business you would kind of expect that that be how it goes and so for him to not just completely no comment and he it would be very easy if he was asked about it he would have said something to the effect of oh i'm not going to comment on specifics this is all about the ownership you know this is all about whatever jody allen wants to do he said at his press conference when he was asked about it that at some point the team has to be sold. And when he says that, like, he's not even going to say that, even though legally that is true, that the team does have to be sold because of the trust. He is not going to say that until it's far enough down the road that it's a real possibility. And also, and I said this at the time, the first person that broke the news of the Paul of the Phil Knight offer was... Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, who, of course, is the, you know, preeminent NBA newsbreaker at the biggest outlet. And a thing that I think a lot of fans need to understand about the newsbreakers at the highest level, like the Woj, Shams, Chris Haynes level, those guys, I mean, people hear about all kinds of stuff. Those reporters and other people, I I mean, I don't hear the same kind of level of stuff that those guys do, but... I hear, you know, behind the scenes about like, oh, this trade was talked about or this scenario, this they, they talked about this free agent signing. They're, they're looking at this. They might do this. They did talk about this. It didn't happen. People hear about this kind of stuff all the time. There are some reporters who will go out and put out stuff like, oh, sources say these two teams talked about this thing that didn't end up happening or teams are talking about this and then it ends up not happening. The guys at the Woj and Shams and Chris Haynes level don't go with something and publicly report something and actually and actually you know go with it unless it has a real chance of happening or if it's far enough down the road that it's a real thing and so the fact that Woj actually went with this Phil Knight offer was the first clue that this is a serious thing this is a real thing and the fact that the Vulcans uh, immediately put out the statement saying it's for sale and now for today, for whatever reason, because again, there's been no new reporting, they're putting out a statement saying that the team is not for sale. To me, this is public negotiation. Like, at this point, I believe, and others have reported this too, John Canzano, a friend of the program, has said, even before any of this stuff started happening with the Phil Knight stuff, he was reporting that within the next 12 to 18 months, the team was going to be uh, prepared for auction my read on this, and I I would call this an educated guess, because I have heard some stuff. I have talked to some people who are connected to this. I feel like I have a pretty good handle on what's going on. I think that the Vulcans and, you know, Jody Allen, Burt Cold, that, that whole operation, they want to sell the team just to the highest bidder, and they don't care who ends up buying it. They just want to sell the team and get the most money possible. Adam Silver and the NBA 
now that they know that he's interested and he has submitted an offer, the league really wants Phil Knight to be the one to buy it. Because, they, they, you know, the NBA and the NBA other owners, they care about who owns the team, not just can we get the most money possible, which is, of course, the, the Jody Allen motivation uh, for it at this point. So the league, I think, is very invested in making this Phil Knight sale happen because all the sports leagues, not just the NBA, but the NFL, the NHL, baseball, they've all tried to get Phil Knight to buy a team over the last 30, 40 years. He's never been interested until now. I, I don't know exactly what it is that made him kind of have a change of heart and decide now he wants to own a team, but my guess is probably just that he's in his 80s and he has done everything that there is to accomplish with Nike and this is just kind of a legacy play for him. That would be kind of my guess on it. I don't know the guy. I've never met the guy, but that would just kind of be my outside read on the situation. But it feels to me, and this is kind of what I've heard chatter about is going on behind the scenes. The league is really trying to push Jody and Burt to sell to the Phil Knight, Alan Smolniski group, because that's who they want to own the team. Uh, and Jody and Bert are trying to put up this, you know, public negotiation tactic and saying, hey, it's not for sale because they want to drive the price up and give other bidders a chance to get their bids in. I think that they're going to probably meet in the middle somewhere. The original bid that Phil Knight and Alan Smolniski offered was around $2 billion. I've heard it was closer to 2.2, but the low twos. I think the Vulcans are trying to get three. I mean, I've had a, I've had multiple people tell me that if Phil Knight offered $3 billion, then the team would already be sold. It would already be done. I think they're going to meet in the middle at around 2.5, 2.7, some, somewhere around there. And I think that it's going to happen in the next 8 to 12 months. I don't, I mean, she is, Jody is not lying that it does take a long time for this stuff to get, figured out legally when there's a trust of this magnitude. I will point out, though, that this is not the first asset from the Paul Allen Trust that has been sold. His super yacht, Octopus, actually sold for $278 million about a year ago, last August. And, you know, he sold some other properties since then. So there, stuff from the estate has started to be sold. So it's not just, this would not be breaking new ground if the Bladers were to be sold. You, you, can, you can look at this statement, like they put this statement out, fine. You can take it at face value if you want, but there's a lot of things pointing in the direction of the team is going to be sold sooner rather than later, and that it's probably going to be to this Phil Knight group. So that's kind of where that all stands right now. I thought it was interesting that she put the statement out today, but I wouldn't expect anything to happen there until early to mid-2023. But I don't think it's as far out from happening as Jody was making it sound. That's where I would kind of say my belief is that things are at right now with that whole situation. Now, as far as some other stuff, the Blazers have been doing summer league practices here in the at the practice facility in Tualatin all week. They've done three now. They've, uh, you know, Steve Hetzel has been coaching the team. is one of Chauncey Billups' assistants. Uh, he's the head coach of the team. Seven guys on the Blazers' actual NBA roster are on the team, which is, of course, the two rookies, Shaden Sharp and Jabari Walker, and then also... 
Brandon Williams, Greg Brown III, Trenton Watford, Keon Johnson, and Didi Luzada. So we've been, us big media, we've been going to these practices, we've been talking to these guys. Everybody seems like they're enjoying themselves. Greg Brown said today that it's great vibes all around, and if there's one person I would trust to be the judge of vibes, it's Greg Brown, who's one of the most fun and happy and just delightful guys to be around on the team. He said everything is good. Everybody has raved about Shaden Sharp and just how he's looked in these practices and these in this training camp so far. And we are going to get to actually see him play against real NBA-level competition in two days. They have their first summer league game against the Pistons in Las Vegas on Thursday night. I will be there. I will, I'm, I'm flying out on... Uh, Thursday afternoon I'm gonna get in there in time to get to the game so I'll have coverage for you there but I'm very interested to see how he actually looks because again we haven't seen Shaden Sharp actually play against high level competition since high school and I mean I'll be honest I've seen some highlight clips on YouTube and other stuff I haven't watched a full game of Shaden Sharp Really, the only person that's seen a lot of him at this point is Mike Schmitz, who, I, from what I understand, was very instrumental in the Blazers' decision to draft him. So we'll see how he looks. I'm kind of looking forward to that. I, I'm very interested. I'm sure there's going to be some rust and some growing pains. But everything that we've heard from these summer league practices is that everybody's really impressed by him. They say he's a freak athlete. That people, people are excited about him in, in the organization. Now, as far as the rest of free agency and trades and whatever else might be possible, they've I think they're mostly done making big moves. They traded for Jeremy Grant. They signed, or they have agreed to sign uh, Gary Payton II. Both those moves are going to become official after tomorrow, which is July 6th, which is the day that the moratorium period is lifted. I would not expect another big move. I do think there will be one more move. Oh, they also, they re-sign, they, besides re-signing Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic, they re-signed Drew Eubanks also. Right now, they are at 15 contracts on the roster, pending whatever they decide to do with Eric Bledsoe, who they can waive and only guarantee $3.9 million if they waive him by July 10th. Now, you would think that they could waive, since, since the number on that contract, if, he, if the non-guaranteed part is $19 million or thereabouts, that they could trade him and take back a, another salary kind of in that same range. They actually can't because now they're hard capped because they used more than the taxpayer mid-level exception, which, you know, they, they're signing uh, Gary Payton II to a eight-point... I think I, I don't know the exact number until these deals become official, but his starting salary on this deal is around eight million a year. So that's more than that six point five, which means they're now hard capped at about at one hundred and fifty seven million. So they actually could not take back that much salary. We won't know exactly how much salary they can take back until we see the details on the other contracts that they signed, the Simons and Nurkic deals, and how much of that is guaranteed versus incentives, and whether it's just a flat rate on the money or it's, there's escalators or, or any of that. But I think the most likely way for them to take back another player, they can either sign somebody, they have the biannual exception, which they could use, but they also could take back 
a player into the trade exception that they have from the Robert Covington trade, which is about $6.5 million. And I know that in the past couple of weeks, they've looked around guys maybe who are still on their rookie deals that the team that has them might not want to pay them. Matisse Thibel with the Sixers is somebody that they were talking about at one point. I don't think there's still anything happening with that. PJ Washington with Charlotte is another one. I don't I don't know how gettable he is. I think the ideal scenario for them would be if they could somehow, let's say Kevin Durant does end up getting traded to Phoenix like he wants to be. And it's like DeAndre Ayton and Mikal Bridges coming back in that deal. Maybe Portland could kind of come in as the third team and send somebody a second round pick and try to peel Cam Johnson off because he fits into that trade exception. That that's the kind of move that you're looking at as far as what's the most realistic for Joe Cronin to uh, still do at this point. As far as like anything bigger than that, like I had the thought when Durant first asked out of Brooklyn that they could maybe try to come in and buy low on Ben Simmons if Brooklyn is uh, trading away everybody. I think money-wise, with the hard cap, that's basically impossible to happen at this point. So you're talking about somebody in that four, five, six million dollar salary range if they can peel some, the right person off in the, you know, in a trade or something. The one that I've kind of thought about as a possible, this is not source, this is not anything I've heard they're doing, this is just my own idea and something that actually Eric and I talked about on the last show, but if you get in as the third team on the Rudy Gobert-Utah-Minnesota trade, which has also not been made official yet, try to take Jared Vanderbilt, who is going from Minnesota to Utah, into that trade exception. They need size, they need rebounding. He would kind of be a pretty solid backup big for them to get that. But that's really the kind of guys that we're looking at. If you're looking at the rest of this offseason hoping that they can still swing a trade for like a John Collins or an OG Ananobi or Ben Simmons or that level of impact player. At this point, they just financially, it would be very, very difficult for them to do something like that without giving up one of kind of the core pieces that I don't think they want to give up. So that's kind of where the offseason stands at this point. My guess, and we're going to ask Joe Cronin about this, I think at some point in the next few days after the deals become official, they're going to have a press conference to introduce Jeremy Grant and Gary Payton the second. I don't know exactly when or where that's going to be, but that's happening at some point once the deals are made official. And so... That's something I'm planning on asking Joe Cronin whenever that does happen, which is just, are you guys done? Because he did say on draft night that he knows the roster isn't good enough and that he thinks you know they're going to keep being aggressive and going after players. I wonder if he now thinks after getting Jeremy Grant and getting Gary Payton, if he thinks the roster now is good enough or if he still thinks there's another move for them to make. I personally think they need one more guy. I don't know who that guy is going to be, but I think that they're one piece away from really being able to say they have a chance to be, I still don't think there's anything they could do that would make them in the same tier as like the golden States and the Phoenixes and the Clippers. If you know, assuming the Clippers are fully healthy and Denver, assuming Denver is fully healthy. I think those are the top four teams in the West pending what happens with Kevin Durant. If he ends up with Phoenix, that's probably the favorites, but where things stand right now, I think Portland is definitely back to being a playoff team on paper. I think that Jeremy Grant and Gary Payton II are big additions. I think they both fill needs. I think they're both going to be great fits with the rest of this roster. 
but I think they're one guy away from being in that next tier up, and I don't know where that next guy is going to come from. So that's kind of where things stand right now. I just figured I would come in here and, you know, with, with Summer League starting soon uh, and, you know, most of the offseason stuff being done while we're waiting as kind of greater NBA fans for the Kevin Durant domino to fall, the Kyrie Irving domino to fall, the DeAndre Ayton domino to fall, all that other stuff. I just kind of figured I'd come in and just kind of update everybody on where things are at with the Blazers and just kind of check in and just, again... Thanks again for all the support for the Rose Garden Report. I, I've been blown away so far by the support, and people have been really cool, and people have really reacted well to it, it seems like. So I will be back with you. I will try to do at least one podcast from Vegas, maybe after the first game that they play on Thursday night, uh, the Shaden Sharp debut. Uh, we'll maybe try to do something down there. I, I, I'm sure I can wrangle some good guests while I'm down there, try to figure some things out some more, you know, in-depth content for you guys, you know, given the access that we'll have down there. It seems like all the access stuff is going to be just right back to normal, like right what it was like before COVID. So I'm looking forward to a lot of that. And again, go to rosegardenreport.beehive.com to subscribe, free or paid. Again, I would encourage you to check out a paid subscription. I've been putting some cool stuff behind the paywall and a lot of people have signed up for that, and I appreciate those people very much. Uh, and then you can find the podcast, as always, Apple, Spotify, Google, any platform where you usually find podcasts, you can find this podcast. And thanks for listening.